Hey there, leaders. Welcome to the next episode of the All Day Everyday Hoops podcast. Today, I am very pleased to welcome Kristen Dowling, head coach at Claremont Mud Scripps in Claremont, California. Under her guidance, Claremont Mud Scripps has gone 123 and 43 in the past six years. They've won the last five regular season championships, and they've won four of the last five conference tournament championships. Before then, she spent time at Pepperdine, and she helped them get to the WNIT. And before then, she was at Cal State Bakersfield, and she helped them get to the WBI. Today, we're going to hear about her experiences with Team USA Basketball, her core values, and how she gets her players to buy in to sustaining excellence at their program. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, we're here with Claremont Mud Scripps head coach Kristen Dowling. Coach, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Adam. Thank you so much for having me on the show. How are you? I'm doing great as well. Recently with Team USA undergoing some of their trials and some of their uh, preparation for the upcoming games that they'll be participating in, you were very fortunate to be selected to be a part of that whole process. And I think it is a tremendous credit to you, who you are and what you've done and the success you've had at Claremont Mud Scripps. Please take us through how that selection came about and then how that experience was. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, gosh, it was quite an honor. I'm just very grateful for the opportunity, kind of like you said. Um, I, I literally just got a phone call um, one day when I was sitting in my office from Carol Callen, who's the head of USA Basketball. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure how, but I was fortunate somehow, some way to be nominated just through the selection committee to be a court coach for the under-17 trials. So, um I got to go to Colorado Springs for five or six days, and they had they had about 175 athletes. Um, it's actually an open tryout, so they invite 35 of the best players in the country. Team USA does, and then they also have, you know, it's open, so anybody else can also apply and try out. And then um, they go through trials for like five days, and they cut down um, every, you know, after the first two days, they start cutting down every session. And um, Carla Bruby from Tufts. Vanessa Nygaard from Winward and uh, Steve Gomez from Lubbock Christian. They're actually the coaches that will be taking the team uh, to Belarus for the world championships in July. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically my, um, you know, my role was just Carla um, and her staff uh, along with Carol Callen had kind of just put together a practice plan and what they wanted us to do each day or each drill and, if we were coaching games, how they want us to do it. And then we were just kind of assigned to a basket and able to work with eight to 10 players on what it was exactly they had told us to do. Um, and honestly, I am just so grateful for the experience. I really just wanted to be present um, and a sponge every moment. And I mean, I was around just some great basketball coaches between the coaches that were there, the other court coaches, uh, Bobby Awa from Hawaii, Coach Dave Silver from uh, Central Missouri, um, and then Sophia Witherspoon from Florida. Um, so between those guys and the committee, which was full of amazing coaches, um, and then also the under-18 trials were going on at the same time. Wow. So we actually got to go and watch. And all, all the under-18 um, young women, they are, like, will be entering freshmen next year. 
Um, and so we got to just kind of learn and watch and all that. So I really just was tried to be a sponge and just enjoy the experience. And I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So in your time there down in Colorado Springs, would you say your biggest takeaways were more so between the lines, X's and O's, uh, drills and that kind of stuff? Was it preparation? Was it motivational stuff? How to run a camp like that? What What would you say was the strongest takeaway for you? I mean, obviously I learned a lot because I was surrounded by great people and everybody was willing to share and everybody was you know, willing to talk X's and O's and recruiting and culture and all that. But I think the biggest takeaway for me from the entire um, experience was just how important um, attention to detail and the intangibles uh, that we as coaches are always talking about mm-hmm. um, are crucial, even at the highest level, you know, because mm. um, these young women that are there are the absolute best players in the country um, that are going to Stanford and Notre Dame and Connecticut. And um, they are the absolute best of the best. And yet USA basketball does an amazing job of holding them to the exact high standards you know they want people who play hard people who are great teammates people who are selfless people who are who listen to detail and how important those things are at even the highest of levels and so I think that was my biggest takeaway is uh, I think as coaches sometimes we we forget to hold people you know how important it is to hold people to high standards and I think starting with Carol Callen at USA Basketball and then Carla Berube who was the head coach from Tufts and just to see how they did things and how important details were and how important being a great teammate was and communicating. And, um, you know, just to see how important that was, I think that is the biggest takeaway for me just to continue to reinforce those things with our team. Awesome. When it comes to that, obviously it is a tryout. It is an evaluation for all the coaches involved. How were Coach Callen, yourself, all the names that you mentioned, all the all the wonderful coaches that were there, how were you guys able to try to – almost instill this championship culture and leadership traits in a short amount of time while also being diligent in the evaluation process. What we were able to do as coaches, I mean, really, again, it started with the the three coaches, Carla, Steve, um, and Vanessa, and then also Carol Callen, just, you know, they would constantly say, you know, we want uh, team basketball, right? We don't want to see you take a one-on-one shot if it's a bad shot, you know? So Mm -hmm. they constantly enforced it. And then that was our role to enforce what they're, you know, reinforce, I guess, what they're saying. Um, They would constantly talk about, okay, the importance of communicating, the importance of attention to detail and listening. And then it's kind of our job when we split up to baskets to just reinforce it. Um, And unfortunately, because it is a trial and it's moving so quick and there are so many students there, I don't know how much teaching can be done as Mm -hmm. more of uh, identifying, like they laid very clearly their expectations and then us kind of encouraging them in that and identifying that when you're able to work with your team back in California for the first time, I mean, is there like a certain phrase? Is there a certain saying? Is there, you know, some of that coach speak stuff that stuck with you that you're definitely going to bring over to your program? I think the one thing I constantly heard coach Carla say was, um, you can always communicate, you know, mm-hmm. whether you're talk, you're in line and you're talking or you're clapping, you could, there's always communication that can be done. And it should never be quiet. Um, and I, I think we pride ourselves, you know, I pride ourselves in our program and just how we 
are constantly talking on the floor. But I think after hearing her and seeing that, we can definitely do a better job of that. So I think that is probably the biggest thing. And and Carla played at at, at uh, UConn right. for Gino Ariema, you know. And so to hear her just say like how crucial that is, um, I think that's something as a t- you know that we can I can emphasize with our within our program, and we can continue to do a better job of that because that's what championship teams do. Right. Speaking of championship teams, this past season you guys went twenty three and four. You won your fifth straight regular season championship. And in the past five years, you have won four out of the five conference tournament championships. You definitely know a thing or two about winning. Well, thank you. But you and I both know we there's a lot of people that take part in that, right? We've had some really great players, and we've had some really amazing assistance and great support from administration. So without all of that, you and I both know it doesn't happen. Absolutely. I do want to jump into that. What is the message now to motivate your kids to kind of guide their experience and guide their level of work as you guys seek, you know, your sixth straight regular season championship? You know, what is the mindset as the leader of that program? Great question. Great question. Um, I think, you know, for us, it's just, you know, we never want to lose focus. You know, um, I, I think we take it a, a day at a time, a year at a time. You know, we try not to look big picture like six years like you're talking about, you know. Right, right. Um, so the mindset for us is just honestly continue to focus on the basics and be better at the the little things, you know. Um, mm-hmm. our, our kind of core values of our program are um, hard work, integrity, competitive spirit, and excellence. And so I think we don't – we have so much as a program that we can do to get better at those four things. And so I think our focus this year is just, again, continuing to go back to that, to, you know, be women of integrity, be hard workers, compete every day, understanding kind of what our priorities are as a program. And then also just the pursuit of excellence and not just excellence on the basketball court, but excellence in the classroom, excellence as a teammate. Um, And so I think there's so much more that we can do in that. So we're not, looking too far in advance honestly we just want to go back to the basics and continue to focus on the core values of our program and really i think if we take care of those the results will take care of themselves but i think we can do a much better job of kind of keeping our focus on our our values and who we want to be as people sure all the coaches i've spoken with i've heard that a ton right that they believe there's correlation between every every little thing that you do it connects and everything mm-hmm. you do off the court, you know, if you're lazy off the court, you're going to be lazy on the court. If you Absolutely. can't be mentally tough off off the court, you're not going to be mentally tough on the court. So I, I love that. I love that that you're you're going to find a way to connect that. And clearly, you've you've got the more than a solid foundation. I mean, it's living right now in your program, which is tremendous. At, at our at our program here at NIU, we've recently gone through kind of a, an evaluation and, and a, a refocus on our core values and mm. things that we're working on. And our, and our players are, we let them play a heavy role in kind of determining that um, and, and writing out what was important to them. But what do you do with your four core values? I mean, is that is that kind of, do you, does that get plastered in the locker room? Is that on t-shirts? Is it, other than other than just talking about it, how do you kind of bring that to life in other things i think one of the keys of kind of sustaining and improving upon yourself is just constantly learning um so uh, we got a long way to go in that but i think one of the things you know one is i we 
so our players are not here in the summer, right? Because the Division Three, right. they're they're at home, they're studying abroad, they're interning, they're doing different things. But when we get back in the fall, actually, that is um, one of my plans to go through with them. Is kind of our these are what we've set as our core values, um, and kind of evaluate: are we are we doing that? Um, do we know what they are? Are we doing that? Do we want to uh, change them or modify them? Um, and and that's my plan to go through with our group in the fall because I, I think there can be some work done in that. And then, um, it, it, yes, and then once we kind of solidify them and they have buy-in, whether we need to change them or adjust a little bit, putting them up in the locker room and just continuing to point to them and talk to them. And kind of just uh, one of the things I want to do better this year is just continuing to evaluate you know, once we identify as a group what those core values are, I mean, those are what I have always used within our program. But I think mm-hmm. this year I want to take more a, a more buy-in approach. And then once we identify them, really kind of evaluating, like honestly evaluating ourselves in each of them, whether, you know, monthly or so. And that's kind of just grading ourselves and maybe having other our peers grade us as well in them. Just how are we doing in these areas? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think just constantly pointing back to them and those are like – that you know those are our measuring sticks not our wins and losses not because we really believe if we're doing these things the results will take care of themselves you know what is that in measure of time do you find yourself talking about your core values daily i mean is this a in practice you're addressing core values and you're you you hear the words almost ad nauseum coming out and being discussed you know is that how you have approached in the past yeah, that's definitely how I approach it. I don't think I've, it's been the point where we've talked about it daily, um, but I think it's something I want to be more intentional about continuing to point towards those. But I I mean, we've definitely talked about them, but I think definitely not on the daily level. But I think I want to be more intentional about, you know, point constantly, consistently pointing towards those and evaluating ourselves on those. Right. Do you feel that the Division three model lends itself to – do you guys feel refreshed or do you feel like you wish you had a little bit of hands-on time in the summer to kind of not lose that momentum of that culture and those expectations that you're building? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a great question. I, I think at the Division three level, I'm thinking from the student-athlete experience right now, I mean, I think it's absolutely a must and a positive the way the summers are currently lie, you know, laid out because mm-hmm. it gives our students an opportunity to, to study abroad. It gives them an opportunity to intern, to travel. And those are huge parts of their experience that really, you know, the whole goal of Division Three athletics is to really just help athletics enhances the academic experience and prepares them for life after basketball. And so mm-hmm. I think the summers being open really is a great opportunity for that. Um, as a coach, you know, being that we don't have a full-time assistant, uh, we've had some amazing assistants, uh, but really because there's, you know, is me our, and then our assistants, but it's, you know, it's really, you kind of got to be present when you're doing so, you know, basketball season is focused on basketball, you know, mm-hmm. and September, you know, August, September is focused on preseason, not so much basketball workouts, but because we're not allowed to work with our students, but preseason in terms of just preparing for season. And then, right. You know, summer is spring, summer is camp recruiting. And then the cycle kind of starts all over. So I, uh, I mean, I definitely feel refreshed, but I don't think that, um, I, you know, I would hope that I would not say that I worked harder at Division One. Like, I feel like I still work the same. Sure. Um, it's just more of focus depending on the time of year it is. Um, but I think the balance is crucial for our students. And I think it's something that they have to have. I think the, the difference between Division Three and Division One is just kind of the the focus, depending on the time of year. Right. 
You touched on recruiting. With you guys having such an established program, what is the toughest thing you think when freshmen or, or new kids come in and are introduced to that culture? Obviously, a lot of people will say, okay, well, that's easier because you've got older kids who have been through it, who understand that balance of life, the level, how prepared we need to be and what we got to do on our own. But for you as a coach, when you bring in a new kid and they're jumping in in the middle of the cycle you're describing, what's the toughest part for them in your program? I mean, first off, right, let's start with like, we know, we all know that recruiting is the lifeblood of programs, right? I mean, you you are only as good as the players you have. So 100% of our success goes to just, we've had some really talented student athletes. Um, And so, I, I mean, first off, I don't think, I think if, you know, you obviously want to be really good at developing relationships and everyone wants to be a great basketball X's and O's coach, but you've got to have really good players. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's first and foremost in terms of the greatest challenge, I think in our program, but I also think this is true. My guess is that this, I mean, from what I've heard from other fellow coaches, I think this is true nationally. Like the hardest adjustment that most freshmen make, especially when they go into um, programs that have been successful programs in general but i think Mm -hmm. also programs that specifically have one is just they were the star of their team you know Mm -hmm. even at our level they were the star of their high school of their club of their even if their region you know they might have been all cif um Mm -hmm. all california all state but then they go from that to this is the first time in their life they haven't started or they haven't played 20 minutes a game 30 minutes a game you know right and so i think that and they're not they're not the big dog. And so I think that's kind of the hardest adjustment that most freshmen have to make in college and also just understanding. And it's, it's hard um, because so much of their identity has been in basketball that like, okay, your identity is not just because you're not playing as much. Doesn't mean your, your identity or your value as a human is any less. Um, So I think that's the greatest challenge that freshmen in our program face. But I also think that probably freshmen almost everywhere face. What are some of the things you do to kind of foster that selflessness, to foster that, hey, it's okay to be a little fish in a big pond, but this is how you can still make an impact and be a part of something special. What are some of the things you've done uh, in your program? That's tough. That's a great question. And again, I go with the, man, we still have room for improvement, but I... I think one of the things I want to continue, I think we already do, and I want to continue to do better um, is just kind of building that, you know, that relationship with each kid and being more intentional about spending time with every player um, outside of basketball, off the court, you know, checking in with them in school and just so you can build that relationship. So um, especially with our freshmen, I think that's huge, Mm -hmm. Uh, but just being super intentional about, spending time with them, checking in with them each individually. And I, I've tried to do that. Uh, I, I've done that. And I think a little bit it's gotten away from me, but I think it's definitely something I want to continue to do. And I think that allows, once you have that relationship, allows students to kind of have those conversations about, well, why, you know, why is this hard or why is this? Um, but I, I think it's normal for every student to go through that. I really do. And I think the better relationships you, you, you as a coach can foster with your student athletes, the better and more comfortable students are going to be expressing that to you. I guess two things come to mind. One, I know you guys have the same 20-hour CARA time restrictions that we have. How much time are you dedicating to that? Or how much time would you like to be dedicating to the off-the-court basketball but not basketball activity, right? Like how much time are you dedicated to that? And then two, 
what are some of the creative things you do? Like, do you, do you schedule like coffee at 10 a.m. On, on Fridays with the freshman class or the sophomore class? Or, you know, do you do like my boss does uh, the home visit? So like in the fall when they get here, she does a home visit with each class and they either got to buy food and bring it or they got to cook and she's there and they just talk about the upcoming year and their aspirations for that year academically, athletically. What are, you know, what's the time you put into it or would like to put into it? And then what are some of the cool ideas you've done or that you're looking forward to doing this upcoming season? Uh, question for you. Can I ask you a follow-up question? Yes, absolutely. I love the thing you said about your boss. Does she do that at, at their homes or does she do that at her home? At their home. She goes to their home. Uh, she home, so she home visits them. The door? What if they're living in the dorms? They go to a uh, uh, cafeteria. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That's a great idea. Um, sorry, I like that idea. I'm writing that down. Yeah, Home no. visits. <laughs> um, one of the things that I try and do is just check in like um, every month with our students. Okay. Um, and that seems like a long time, but, uh, you know, with, again, one full-time person yeah it's sure. it's tough to even get around to that but uh just scheduling like every month checking it you know every month meeting with them for the most part just covers academic stuff mm-hmm. um and then also like trying to grab lunch with each player each semester i get a great idea from uh, robin Frelick. she is now at bowling green is that correct yeah, Robin's in, at yeah bowling. in our league yep yeah and she told me um a few years ago when i met her that she does something where she does like lunch once a week with a, a player and so that's something actually that i've tried to do is grab a different player for lunch every week um and just with the hopes of kind of getting around to the whole group mm-hmm. you know twice throughout the year plus meeting with them each month so that's kind of uh that's what i did when i first started um and i want to like re- renew my commitment to doing that this year and then also just meeting with our captains like bi-weekly especially in season once season starts mm-hmm. um october 15th is meeting with our captains bi-weekly besides doing that other stuff just to really i want to do a better job of having a, a good pulse on our team um so that's kind of the way that i do it. and then obviously we do stuff off the court you know we typically do like um, a holiday party at my house and we'll typically do you know some sort of something around thanksgiving and we'll typically do something in the middle of the year whether it's laser tag or dodgeball or bowling or just kind of fun stuff. But right. those are the ways that I've tried to be super intentional about uh, building that relationship. And I want to keep, keep doing it because I think there's always room for improvement and I know I can improve in that. Kristen, before we go on, I wanted to share a message from a couple of our friends. First, the Be Contagious Leadership Experience by Hernando Planels. Coach Hernando Planels is a college basketball coach, leadership entrepreneur, and former sports film choreographer. Everyone is trying to get better when leading their team, employees, and themselves. The BCLE gives people an inside view on leadership from the coaches and thought leaders' perspective. Be great, be the light, and be contagious. You can find out more at www dot hernandoplanels.com please subscribe to his podcast on itunes and make sure you keep up with everything that he's got going on next the wbca coaches of women's and girls basketball the wbca is your community since 1981 the wbca has been there advocating for our sport and supporting coaches at every level 
They have amazing in-person educational opportunities like the WBCA convention, which is held in conjunction with the NCAA Women's Final Four, and regional coaches' classroom clinics. They have e-learning through their monthly webinar series, as well as over 700 videos, plays, and drills on their website, www.wbca.org. Along with information, they're the place you go to expand your network. The Coach to Coach Mentoring Program connects members throughout the season and their in-person Mentoring Madness sessions put you next to other experienced head and assistant coaches that can give you instant feedback and help you meet whatever challenges you might be facing. The WBCA is there to give you all the tools you need to be your best. Learn more today at www.wbca.org and become a part of this premier coaching association. Now, let's get back to the show. You know, one of the things that you said you might have asked, and I'm not trying to go off on a tangent. No, you're fine. um, How do you sustain a winning program? And I think it's actually harder to sustain it than it is to build it. And I think one of the keys is like just keeping willing to learn and grow and not be afraid to change and, and also recognize like errors that we as individuals and as a team can and program can improve. Right. And so I think that's something that I, you know, especially with our past, like our alumni, I thought I, you know, I, I have really good relationships with them, but I also recognize, Hey, that's something I want to keep improving, you know? Right. Speaking of sustaining versus building. So your first year, you know, maybe not the first year you thought it would be right. Yeah. <laughs> What were some of those things from that first year, good or bad, helped you grow? Yeah. So my first year when I got hired here, I got hired in June. um, And being a high academic college, the admissions deadline is January 1st for applications. Um, So it was obviously too late for that. Um, And just due to different circumstances, we had only eight players. So I actually was in the position where I was walking around campus trying to uh, find players. Wow. Um, and just if anybody was tall, I, you know, our starting center for my first two years was actually had never hadn't played basketball in like five years. Uh, she was just like six feet walking around campus. And I said, hey, why don't you come play hoops? Um, and so I, I learned a lot my first year. So we uh, I, I mean, I guess you could look back at our record and say we struggled. I really think my first year was just a huge blessing um, because I got to, it was my first time as a head coach. So I really got to learn that first year kind of like how to be a head coach. And I got to focus on the relationship piece because I only had eight players. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really got to be intentional about building deep relationships with our players, which I am really grateful for. And I'm also really grateful for that year because I had the opportunity just to uh, just fail and make mistakes and also adapt. You know, I, I thought that, uh, I had this vision of what we were going to do in my head in terms of offensively. And we started the season one and nine. Mm. Uh, and then I, Christmas break, I kind of threw my hands up and I was like, okay, well, we're going to try something different. And so we, we, you know, I went back to the basics, focused on defense and put in a totally different offense. Cause I recognized that what I thought wasn't going to work with the personnel that I had. Mm-hmm. So learning to kind of adapt. Um, and so, we finished the year much stronger than we started. It still wasn't great. I think we were end of the year like nine and 16 or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but because we had such a small roster, it allowed me to really go out that first year and recruit and bring in a, a big freshman class. So that next year, uh, you know, we brought in nine freshmen, um, which was huge. And uh, they were, they were just, you know, eager to play and willing to learn and work hard and, 
um, the, the students that I had before, the eight from my first year, they were all underclassmen. Uh, I'm sorry, they were all returners. Uh-huh. So them combined with the freshmen, they really kind of set the foundation for our program, um, you know, in terms of the freshmen, that class, I guess that would have been the class of 2016, did a great job of just really coming in and buying in. Um, and then the, you know, the alumni that I had, so it would have been more the class of like you know, 13 and 14, they really just did a great job of buying in and working hard and setting the example. Um, and even the following year, you know, were really great examples. So I'm actually very grateful for my first year. And I feel like as a coach, you know, I learned a lot from it and I, I would not change it. Obviously that's why you're a good coach. Cause you're continuing, you you have that thirst to continue to learn and you're not going to see what others would see as a quote unquote failure of a season you're not going to let that deter you from growth and from improvement, which is impressive. And I got to ask, because you mentioned it, what offense did you run <laughs> when you were one and nine? What did you switch to? Um, I'm very interested to hear what that was. If you that's could a great question. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So uh, the first, the start of the season, I, I had always learned dribble drive, like four mm-hmm. round one. Um, because those are the programs I had come from when I was an assistant. And then um, I switched to, because we just didn't have the personnel for that. Um, and so then I just switched to like sets, okay. um, just some basic sets to get help the students get open a little bit easier. So um, it was just, it's again, it's just learning your personnel and knowing what you can fit. So then add nine freshmen, you obviously won eight more games running sets primarily. Fast forward to. Fa- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fast forward to now. What what is it offensively? You know, obviously, because I was able to recruit, I've been able to sense kind of recruit the type of students that we have, and so we've done more just kind of four round one. I, you could call it dribble drive, but it's not a true dribble drive. It's just kind of four round one. Honestly, you know, out of my philosophy, the coaches like we recruit really good players, put them in positions to be successful. So it started as dribble drive, but I think it's turned more into like four round one, and we'll go into sets like we have. You know, if we have a re- really good player in a certain spot we want to give them the ball and we, we're fortunate to have a lot of height too at our level mm-hmm. um so we've really tried to do a little bit of like two post stuff it's not um super consistent but you know depending on our matchups we'll take advantage of it but just i i just want our players we want to recruit really good players keep it simple for them space the floor and let them play to their strengths you know just like anybody you want to uh you know show your strengths and hide your weaknesses so that's what we try and do and just keep it simple for them Teach right. them how to play basketball, not run plays. Right. Also, you said you went back to the basics, focus a little bit more on defense. Has your defensive yeah. system evolved, or is it still the same? Um, so it's still same. We've added different concepts because we have different players, you okay. know. Um, so we've actually – defense has kind of been our program's calling card. So we have led our conference in defensive statistics for the past five years um, that we really think that our best offense is from our defense. So we don't do anything fancy. We just play super solid and stubborn man-to-man. Nice. Um, but we've, we've definitely changed, uh, you know, based on our personnel. Like we played a little bit more zone this year. Um, we've done some trapping because we're a little bit bigger. But I, we've definitely stayed true to solid, uh, consistent man-to-man defense. Um, and then also rebounding. Like, we always want to win the rebounding battle. And so that's been something we've been very consistent in as well. And Because we feel like those are things we can control. And we want right. to control the things we can control. And when you say your best offense is generated from your defense, does that do you press? 
We actually don't. We have a press and we can do it, but that's not our go-to. No, okay. just solid man-to-man, aggressive, stubborn, half-court man-to-man defense. I like that. So after your playing days, you did the So You Want to Be a Coach program, correct? I did. Yeah, I was very fortunate to be a part of that. And I think it was like the second, only second or third year that they'd done it. Tell me about that. How did that kind of set your career off? I know that's one of the well-established programs that the WBCA does, even though it's still very young, like you said. What did that mean to you? And what did you take from it that kind of still impacts you today? Yeah, it was an amazing opportunity. Um, a lot of credit, uh, I have to give a shout out to Coach Kevin Morrison. He's actually an assistant coach at Georgia Tech now, but he actually was my high school coach for a year. Okay. Um, and so uh, he used to run a club program out here in California um, and just has was very involved. So I kind of spoke with him and said, hey, I want to coach. And he said, hey, you should check out this program. And I didn't know anything about it, so I applied for it and just got really fortunate to get in it. And just through it, it taught me kind of a lot about just meeting people and the basics of coaching and, uh, you know, just professionalism and how to dress and how to speak and kind of just basic things that a lot of people miss that are so crucial. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that program gave me a lot of confidence as I was going out and applying for jobs, you know, because I had that to put on my resume and that experience and I had a network of people behind me. So I'm really grateful to be, to have participated in that at such a young age. I love that. You had confidence applying for jobs because you knew you had a network of people behind you. How many jobs you apply for? What were important factors to where you wanted to apply and what you wanted to do in terms of level and that kind of thing? Yeah, I, if I'm being honest, like I, I was a Division three player um, with really no ties except for my former high school coach. And so I just wanted a job. So I think I applied for everything. I mean, I was 21 years old, you know, and I didn't play at a high level. So I think I just applied for everything that I could and um, – I got really fortunate. I ended up getting an opportunity um, at Pepperdine University, courtesy of Coach Julie Rousseau. And Kevin Morrison, who I was telling you about, he actually put me in touch with Julie, who he knew well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Julie was willing to kind of take a chance on me as just the GA. And was I just learned a ton from her and her coaches on staff and um, just gave me a great opportunity. And so I, I wasn't picky because I knew I just wanted to work and learn and be a sponge. And so I really was willing to move anywhere and learn anywhere. Um, but I just got very fortunate that I got a position here in Southern California and under great people. Awesome. So from there, you're a graduate assistant. Then you go to Cal State Bakersfield, right? Then you mm-hmm. go back to Pepperdine. Kind of. Yeah. And well, no, I, want, I do want to mention this now. Cal State Bakersfield, in terms of building a program, you guys went to the WBI. When you're there and while you're at Pepperdine, you guys go to the WNIT. And now, you know, I think that translates to some of the success and the growth that you've had at uh, CMS. So tell me about those years and and what you learned and what those influences uh, meant to you. Yeah, I mean, again, I've had really great mentors. So Julie Rousseau, who I worked for for four years at Pepperdine and then her assistant coaches, uh, Vanessa Nygaard, who I worked with with USA Basketball being one of them, Shelly Sheets, you know, Tina Samaniego, and then Daryl Brown, Dave Johnson. There was a, a whole slew of them. Um, but I learned so much from them um, and from Julie. And uh, I'm just very grateful for that. And then I got the opportunity to go work um, at Cal State Bakersfield for Tim LaCose, who Tim took a similar path. He had been a Division three coach. 
um, and then a Division two coach. And then at the time, you know, Bakersfield was transitioned from D2 to D1. So Tim had kind of was – uh, had, you know, Bakersfield was transitioning. So they had a lot less resources and all that, but yet Tim was still incredibly successful. And I, owe a, I think a lot of that is just to his simplicity and focus on, um, the basics, you know, recruiting good players and putting them in positions to be successful. So again, another great mentor. And then I had the opportunity to, uh, go back to Pepperdine with what I had learned from Tim and, and serve an assistant coach capacity for Julie, which was an amazing experience. So, I'm really grateful like for having those two as mentors because they allowed me to kind of learn um, more of what I would want to do when I became a head coach. And uh, some of it has worked and some of it hasn't. But again, I, they've always been incredibly supportive and they still reach out to me and they still you know, encourage me and touch base. And I still call them when I have questions. And so I'm just very grateful for both of them. And I can tell you, I would absolutely not be where I am nor have had the experiences that I've had if it weren't for them. That's great. Touch on that, William. How important has mentorship been for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think our, our I hate to call it a business, but our field is, is all about relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, especially as a young coach, I mean, gosh, I still consider myself a young coach. Um, absolutely. So much to learn from other people. And so definitely have used those, Julie and Tim, as uh, sounding boards. But I've also... Um, you know, definitely reached out to other people. Uh, you know, Kirsten Moore up at Westmont is someone I've called when I've had questions. Um, you know, I'm thankful for my experiences with USA basketball now, cause there's other coaches I, I can call, you know, I've also formed great relationships with other coaches that I can reach out to. So, um, I think that there's a lot of value in mentorship. And I think sometimes it's, it's different people based on where you're at in your life. You know what I mean? Um, I I think when I was at division one, I didn't necessarily have the relationships with the small college coaches in Southern California that I do now. And I, I value those coaches just as much, if not more, because I know how much they have on their plates and how there's only one of them doing it. And so I think at different times in your life, different people, you know, may be able to relate better or whatnot, but I think it's just finding those people that you can really trust and just building that relationship with them and and not being afraid to seek out advice when you have questions. And and I've definitely done that. And even here at Claremont, you know, we have a great men's basketball coach and Ken Scalmanini and I am constantly knocking on his door. Um, And that's one of the things I've learned moving from division one to division three is at division one, you know, your mentors are your peers, your, your coaching staff, you know, that's Mm -hmm. who you bounce ideas off with your basketball coaching staff. But when you move to division three, your peers are your coaches and are the coaches in other sports. So I've learned how to, you know, I, I still have my mentors in my bat in the basketball world, but I also have mentors that are maybe in the soccer coach or, you know what I mean? Right. The uh, men's basketball coach or, you know, different things like that. And I have learned to, I think when I was a division one, you're very siloed and moving to division three has really allowed me to kind of recognize that really coaching is coaching and we can all learn a lot from each other. I love it. Chris, this has been awesome. The last thing for any of our listeners, if they want to follow you on social media, um, email you, anything like that, where where can you be found? Where can you where can they kind of see how you do things? Yeah, absolutely. So our website, our school website is cmsathletics.com. So if you go there, all of my information is on the women's basketball page. And I'm, you know, really, I'm happy to learn from anybody and speak with anybody. Um, I also do have Twitter at CMS coach Kristen and my, my email address is actually on the website as well. Um, so that would be, you know, you guys can definitely find me on there. And Adam, I just also want to thank you. You do a lot for just the game of women's basketball and I really appreciate that. And I just wanted to thank you for all you do. I appreciate that, Kristen. Thank you so much. That means a lot. 
I'm excited to continue our mentor-mentee relationship. Thank you so much, and we will talk soon, okay? Thank you, Adam, again for your time and all you do. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of the All Day Everyday Hoops podcast. Please connect with Coach Dowling if you have any questions. She truly is a great resource for all coaches. Do not hesitate to reach out to her if you heard something you like and would like to talk more about it with her. Before our next episode, please check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to it. You just have to search for All Day Everyday Hoops in your search bar. We'll be releasing more drills uh, today. That is where you can go to see what we've got going on between the lines, X's and O's, and drill-wise. And also, please shoot me an email at A-T-A-N-D-E-Z at NIU.edu so I can make sure that you're on the all-day, everyday hoops newsletter list. Thanks, everybody. Make sure you find a way to positively impact someone you encounter today. See ya.